This episode of the Eclectic Gamers Podcast is brought to you by the Roanoke Pinball Museum in Roanoke, Virginia. Roanoke Pinball Museum is an interactive museum dedicated to the science and the history of pinball. Their mission is to cultivate curiosity in science, art, and history through pinball while preserving and honoring its role in American culture. The museum is open every day except Monday. It houses over 65 machines with models ranging from 1932 to 2018. Roanoke Pinball Museum. Don't forget about it. Welcome to the Collective Gamer Podcast. Today is Sunday, September 20th. I'm Tony. And I'm Dennis, and we have two, that's right, two, two, two guests this week. And uh, they're going to talk to us about what it's like to operate uh, and run a pinball business in the midst of today's climate. So welcome to the show, Carrie Wing and Nick Greenup. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Well, in the intro, what we normally do is ask, so what's been going on for the last couple of weeks? Uh, And we'll modify it slightly for you, but first, I guess, Tony... We'll get you out of the way. We'll get me out of the way. And then we'll let Nick and Carrie actually entertain us with something that's really new. So what's going on, Tony? <laughs> what's happened? Any, any drama? Did you buy any pinball machines in the last two weeks? No. I didn't buy any pinball machines. I didn't buy any anything. I guess unless groceries count. I bought groceries last week. Yeah, they don't count for this podcast. All right. Then, no, I, I haven't done much of anything uh, besides just the normal joys of social distancing. Mm, yeah. I still haven't I still haven't deleted my notification for tournaments uh yet. So I got my tournament notification oh, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always makes me sad. It's it like, does. Yeah. I streamed yesterday. I went ahead. I actually played uh, I hadn't been playing that much, so I played quite a bit of pinball this last week specifically. So yeah, I went ahead and went and I've now been streaming Saturday mornings. It's just too hard for me to stream in the evening. And because I put our streaming channel under the pinball network, there are so many streamers now and they're just dominating the entire weeknights. It's like I'm poaching their listener viewers if I do it. So and my stream kind of sucks. So it's like, well, I don't want to I'll do it in the morning where everyone's still asleep, and I get the Australians instead. And uh, I, and video games, I, I finished yesterday, The Outer Worlds. So I have won that now. Which ending? Uh, I don't know. I guess the good ending? Because uh, supposedly everyone is not starving to death? Not is, sure. Is that the good ending? That's a good ending? Yeah. I think it was really a good ending. It depends upon what your thoughts of good endings are. There's also the hilarious ending. I consider it the good a good enough ending. Like, I'm like, yeah, that'll do, pig. That'll do. That's sort of what I told myself. So, Nick and Carrie, uh, since you weren't on the last episode, so there's not really anything to update from the prior episode that the listeners would have any context for, I guess, could you talk to us a little bit about, we'll have a segment where we go into what it's really like to, to run things in the current climate, but, uh, like, what do you guys do in pinball besides play it? Uh, well, we do a lot of things. So, I currently have gotten pretty deep into doing a lot of pinball repair. I learned how to repair machines from my dad, because we did it as a hobby ever since I was a little kid. And pinball has become so popular that there seems to be an endless supply of people that need their pinball machines fixed. So, I do a combination of 
working at Solid State Pinball Supply for about 25 hours a week. Um, there's always games to work on here. And doing service calls on my own, people's houses. And now I've gotten into the pinball routing business. Um, so I service the games at 403 Club, Pizza West, Nubs, and Solid State, which is sort of a location in and of itself. So, yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing in pinball. There's not been any tournaments recently. I used to play a lot of tournaments before, in the before times, but, uh. Mm, yes, the before times. So Solid State Pinball. Now, Nick, this this is your brainchild. Yeah, I guess. I'll take credit for it. I don't know <laughs> if that's a good or a bad thing yet. But uh, maybe three and a half years ago, we started a, a little, or I started a little pinball shop in KCK where the idea was we were going to sell pinball parts, and we kind of didn't know how we were going to make money exactly, but we knew we needed a space to house some more games and work on games and thought, oh, I'm sure we could probably sell some games. How naive I was. But um, it turns out you can sell a lot of games. Um, I think we probably sold, I don't know, at least 25, if not 35 in the in the first three years. And then the year after that went kind of boosted up. But since then, um, since the pandemic, we actually moved to a bigger location and going all out with an arcade and the parts and a lot more customer repairs people bring in. I mean, anything from a barn find, hopefully not, but to just something that needs to be shopped and clippers rebuilt and things like that. And well, as well as routing, I mean, I've, I've been routing for, oh, depending on your definition of routing, probably for close to seven years now. And just, just like Harry, no tournaments. So, but we want to get that changed. We, we couldn't have tournaments at the old location. It was just too small, but now we've got probably five times the space. So we've got an arcade. We've actually got two arcades. One's, coin drop in ones hourly. So that should all be opening soon. We could get probably more into that later, but the licensing is, is quite a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, I, I imagine so. <laughs> oh and yeah, and yes, we will we will dive into that in much more detail in our pin, pinball segment. And we'll go ahead and transition to that segment now. I did want to go ahead and open though with Avengers Infinity Quest, the new game from Stern. Uh Nick and Carrie, do you guys just want to go ahead and give some thoughts about the the game as you've seen it thus far? I think it's incredible looking i watched uh kind of the reveal streams and jack dangers tips and and whatnot and i don't have a bad thing to say about it i guess other than what everyone else is the glove and the yellow don't really do it for me but everything else is incredible i really like the combination of the keith elwin design and the avengers theme i'm really glad that they kind of redid the avengers theme um because I really like movies. And that coupled with uh, zombie yeti art, I think it's like a winning combination for me. I really like Jurassic Park, so uh, I'm actually surprised that Keith came out with another game so soon, or maybe it wasn't so soon. It seems soon to me. So, yeah, I am excited about it. I haven't had as much time to, like, watch gameplay videos yet. I watched, like, the trailer, and I looked at pictures. And I think it looks really promising, and I basically convinced the uh, guy that's buying the games for 403 to go ahead and get one. He was going to pass, and I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> He's like, eh. <laughs> but then I really talked it up, and I'm like, I think this is going to be awesome. So um, we should be getting one any day. It was supposed to be a hard Thursday, but it's not here yet. So I'm basically just waiting to play it in person uh, and uh, get to for it. As a question for routing, uh, with how routing opening new machines, is that as special as when you're opening a machine for home? 
<laughs> That's a good question. And Nick and I have talked about this. It kind of gets less exciting each time. I mean, it's still cool. But my first new unboxing was Star Trek at home. And that was like my holy grail pen that I never thought I would be able to afford. And I won it as a tournament prize and showed up on my doorstep. And it was like the most exciting thing ever. But my most recent unboxing was Stranger Things Pro at 403. And it happened to be a really long, long day. I worked at Salt State all day. Then I went to 403. And we stayed at 403 till like 1 in the morning, getting the games set up and ready to go to be played on Monday. And uh, so I was pretty exhausted. And I basically just set it up as quickly as I possibly could. And I was like... Yeah, that wasn't quite as exciting as Star Trek, but it's still a good game. Yeah, I think, I mean, I had a lot of new inbox games when I was routing at 403 as well, and the first one was actually Ghostbusters, and I had never bought a new inbox game for myself. And actually, my first, like, six new inbox games were all for other locations, never for my home. So the first one was exciting, but like Carrie said, it, it started to become just like, oh, it's here, I gotta go, I gotta set it up, I gotta get it perfect, and that's the job. It, it's, it does kind of lose some of its magic. However, since we're in the midst of a move when Ninja Turtles came out, it, I did get to feel a little of that joy again because I wasn't, I didn't have to get it set up that day. There's no timetable and I got to just enjoy it and actually play some games right away just for fun. So, um, that was nice. It was really nice. <laughs> I only ever found setting up games to be a chore, getting them out of the box, but I've only done two. So. I don't know. I never made it special. Okay, well, uh, thanks for the for the Avengers feedback, and of course the joys of discussing what it's like to unbox a, a box a game. I'm not thinking I'm buying another one this year, but well, you know, well, we'll see. Avengers is pretty tempting, uh, but I have my rule yeah, that I want to I want to play it first. I want to play it first. So yeah, that's the thing. It's like I still haven't played Toidles. Oh man. Well, you can come play our turtles anytime. Make an appointment, and we can arrange it so you're the only person in the room, and you can just enjoy your time with turtles. Aww. Yeah, no problem. Happy that's a, that's the power of being a podcaster. So, I, I, right? of course, thank you for the uh, usual accommodations that I uh, expect to get from everyone in this hobby. Uh, now, speaking of expectations, though, our next pinball topic is actually Jersey Jack pinball and Guns and Roses, the worst kept secret in all of pinball currently. There's always a new worst kept secret. However, I was sure, and this shows how inaccurate I often am, I was sure they would be revealing in September. And they have dropped a new trailer, which indicates that the reveal is in October. So there has been a little bit of discussion from people talking that maybe Jersey Jack was moving Toy Story up and that they were going to do Guns N' Roses later. But even this newest trailer says chart-topping hint or hit. So it's like every hint is Guns and Roses. It's Guns and Roses, okay? It's Guns and Roses. The They're background, not shifting there are it to guns toys. and roses just floating through the air. I, I'm just, just, I mean, they're like, happy birthday, Slash. They didn't sell happy birthday to Woody. Come on. <laughs> so, all right. So given that, like, Carrie and Nick, what's your what's your hype factor for Guns and Roses? Is there a hype factor? or are you guys planning to get one for routing? I mean, Wonka was on route for a while at 403 Club. Uh, and before that, I think most of the JJP games were there at some stage through some operator or another. So 
I, I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Is this, is this right? Is this a good theme? Is Avengers going to steal all the thunder and no one stands in the, in the wake of an Elwin? What are your thoughts? I hope it's misdirection and it's really Michael Bolton or something silly like that. That would be much better. <laughs> but I think, uh, Guns N' Roses, uh, is an odd choice. I'm not super excited for it, but I do like what JJP does. And there's been plenty of games that the theme wasn't for me and a game was great. Not to say I didn't listen to Guns N' Roses back in, oh, I don't know, the 90s, but it's not my jam anymore. So I'm not that excited, but I'm excited to play it, but not so excited to buy it. And JJP's historically have been rough on route for me, other than dialed in is pretty simple as far as breakdowns and things like that. Mm. Okay, so by rough, you meant mechanically rough. Yeah, just, I mean, great games, but a lot more care needed on route compared to the Stern games. Not to say that Stern's any better, just different. Well, let me th- throw this in real quick before I get Carrie's thoughts on, on GNR. Uh, so given that, though, given your, your long time with routing some pinball machines, how is the, I guess broadly speaking, how's the coin drop on a JJP versus a Stern, though? Because they are quite a bit more expensive. Yeah, maybe the, the initial hype would be a little bit more than the initial hype on a new Stern. But in my experience, it's not as long-lived. Although, I mean, Wizard of Oz wasn't my game when I was routing there, when it was there. And despite all of its problems, um, it it made quite a lot of money over time. I have heard from other routers not in town that some of their JJPs just crush Stern all the time. But I, I didn't necessarily get that feeling uh, with the, the titles we had. Okay. So, Carrie. Guns N' Roses, are you, is that your favorite band? I know it's not a jazz theme like we talked <laughs> about years, years ago when we interviewed you regarding one of your mini, uh, tournament wins. Uh, yeah, it's, when they announced the theme, my initial reaction was, why? <laughs> because, mostly because they've already done Guns N' Roses as a Data East title. And I don't feel like it's popular enough from my perspective to do another one, but I also suspect it has something to do with Slash and him liking pinball, and maybe they were able to get the license more easily because of that. Um, I mean, it's not a terrible theme, but like kind of like Nick said, it's not really for me, but as far as Jersey Jack in general, my opinion has shifted a little bit on them. I'm liking them more, just because I've had an experience now having two of them at home that are not mine, but I'm storing them for a friend. Uh, and I think they actually make great games at home because they're so deep. Like, I haven't finished them yet. Um, one of them is Wonka in my basement. And uh, my friend who is obsessed with Jersey Jack has really talked them up. And he's like, oh, you know, they're better to work on. I was like, oh, I don't know about that. And, he talked about the diagnostics and stuff, and they do have some cool features as far as, like, you're the one operating them. The full manual is, like, loaded into the game, and you can just pull it up on the screen, which is kind of interesting. And then, like, if it has a switch error, like, I had a switch error the other day, and I was like, oh, I'll have to look up where that switch is. But, no, you can just go into the menu, and it shows you a picture of the play field, and points out where the switch is, and it's like... It's and, and so it's, it's kind of cool. Um, got some cool features. Plus, yeah, they're just kind of fun to have at home because you don't really get tired of them because there's so much to do. So my opinion of Jersey Jack is approving. 
Okay. Well, and they have been, it, this was a few months prior to even this latest trailer, but Jersey Jack has been teasing that there will be new innovation. I'm assuming as of this game and that the innovation is more than just, oh, look, you can update through Wi-Fi. So I guess we would have to wait and see. Tony, I know we've talked about GNR a, a bit before. Uh, are you any more excited now? There, it's JJP's first dad rock game. Oh, let me tell you just how excited I'm. Never mind. It's too Tony, don't you want to go down to the Paradise City? I don't actually want to go to Paradise it City. It can join. It can join. I mean, Carrie pointed out that, you know, it's a remake of a Daddy East game. But, I mean, come on. We Last year, we just got Jurassic Park again. This year, we got Toidles again. Yeah, and now we're getting... Yeah, it, it, it's the year of repeats. Because, you know, this is... that that That's just what this year needs. Had 2012 Avengers. Let's have 2020 Avengers. Come on. <laughs> Let's, see, let's just use the same themes. It's what we do. That's pinball. Redoing everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm I'm no more excited than I was. I mean, it's JJP. We'll see how it goes. I have been traditionally cool to their games for the most part. They look good. They've got nice stuff. They tend to have nice light shows, but I don't find them nearly as much fun to play normally. Except for Dial Dan. Dial Dan is great. Uh, and Wonka was, wasn't bad. I think the EGP number one Facebook video is still you playing pirates at a show and then just saying how it sucks. <laughs> that was such a great Yeah, movie. and everyone gets shocked and upset with him because Pirates is beloved to a lot of people. Pirates is the yeah. best JJP game ever, but Tony played the, it was the, when he finally played the one without the triple Spain disc, the non prototype, and yep. He just, yep. the ball kind of went up and it just drained between his flippers. And then you just, you hear him and I'm censoring it to say, this sucks. And then I end the video. Yep. It was very funny. That's, that's pretty much what it was. Yep. So you know those stuff for like sucks. 15 grand now. <laughs> yeah, they're. It's actually a surprisingly fun game. I but, can understand there's games where I just walk up and play at a show and I'm like, eh. Like I was kind of like that in Houdini and then I got a chance to spend time with it. And I was like, oh, this is actually awesome. And I'm the same way with pirates. Like, and, and I was afraid it would be too complicated to figure out, but it kind of tells you the rules, like, on a little mini screen on the apron. And so I just, like, sat and, like, watched all the bullet point rules go by, and I was like, oh, okay. Suddenly I understand the game a little better, and, uh, it's actually really fun. So, but it's, uh, it's a little pricey. Just a little bit. <laughs> Now, and, and, and like you were saying about sometimes you play something at a show, and then when you actually get a chance to really put time on it, it's better. Uh, you mentioned Houdini, and I played Oktoberfest at a show, and I thought it was terrible. And then I finally got a chance to put some real time in on Oktoberfest, and let me tell you, the game's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I think it's safe to say from the feedback I've seen broadly that Oktoberfest is seen as their worst game of the three. I, I don't know. I've heard mixed reactions. Um, we have one on route right now at 403. And I kind of, yeah, I, I will say that that's uh, it's the opposite of Pirates for me. At first, I was like, this is super fun. And the more I played it, I'm like, the less I like it. <laughs> well, it won't be routed for much longer because you just sabotaged the quarter drop on it. But I will say that uh, it's getting a lot of attention these people didn't expect to see it on route, and it's full zone. So, but it, I just find it a little bit annoying and a little bit. Too uh, <laughs> doggy doesn't want to go down the the water slide. Or... Yeah, I think it's the fake jar. 
it's and no, like this that. is a real German accent. I learned it. <laughs> I learned it in Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, if you're not excited about Oktoberfest and the upcoming Guns N' Roses, then maybe you'll be excited about Deep Root because that's story number three. So Deep Root is having a reveal on Monday, the 21st. I'll probably get this out here on the 20th late. So some people might hear about the reveal before they actually play this episode, but it's set. There is pinball media down there already. Obviously, Tony and I uh, are not down there, so we are not covering the event live. But the big question is, what's going to be shown? We know it's got Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland or Raza, the game they showed the prototype of last year. That's got to be there. So far, it's the only game that they've shown publicly in any way. But uh, let me start with Raza, since we know Raza's got to be there. Uh, Nick and and Carrie, uh, I guess I'll start again with Nick. I don't know if you saw the prototype stuff with Raza and have any thoughts about it. Um, I've really only seen artwork. Um, from it. I haven't seen the prototype. Okay. Carrie, did you ever look at the prototype? Is that the one where there's a video of Travis Neary playing it and he couldn't hit the raft the whole time? Yes, Travis sucks. Okay. We all know that, but <laughs> we're not here I to judge him. That that's like the only exposure that I've seen. Yeah. No, no, actually, uh, Tony and I milked that video for so, for so much. <laughs> Because it was, yes, yes, no. For, and for those that don't know, uh, so Travis is a, he's a top competitive player out of Oklahoma. He was at the show where this prototype was revealed. My understanding is there were two games there and at least one of them, the left flipper just could not, even on clean shots, make it up that ramp very often, if at all. And I think Travis said he, he hit that shot 12 times and he went fully around the ramp zero and so when you have a high-level player unable to clear a ramp, it raises some geometrical questions. Uh, that or flipper strength questions or something. You know, it raises questions was the issue. So yes, that was the Raza. Um, and I guess a, a picture would, would say a lot. About, we were in audio format though, so even the listeners wouldn't understand if I showed Nick a picture. But the left ramp was um, it's like a jump ramp where the ball is supposed to go up the left ramp and then it flings up and there's another piece of plastic above it with a target and it's supposed to hit that target uh, and then the ball falls. So uh, so that was kind of the... It's very... Like, you you look at it and you see a lot of J-pop tropes in it. Like lots of swirly ramp styles and he's got... He brought back in a swinging target and then there's even a, a rotating... Not a very... Not a, not a uh, roto target, but they had stand-ups that are on like a carousel that were just rotating in a circle like a Ferris wheel would, I should say. Yeah, it's it's different. I mean, I'm very interested to see it and try it. I'm just that just happens to be the only video that I saw, but I've also heard from other manufacturers that they've had issues at shows with stuff like flipper strength and uh with all those games plugged in at the same time, you know, who knows? But yeah, Jer- Jersey Jack is notorious for having mushy flippers when they're in a low power situation, which has often made their uh, their public reaction to actual life play at shows pretty bad. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of times that might be that they didn't turn up the, you know, it's on default settings and there may be the ability to turn up the coil power, coil strength, but it wasn't done. And then everyone's like, why does this feel like I'm playing with sponges? Yeah. That is a nice thing that I, it can be helpful in the modern games being able to adjust the flipper strength. I had to do that with Oktoberfest and Turtles because they couldn't make the ramps and they were new out of the box. So it was like, 
alright, well, crank up the flipper strength, and that did it. So, I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's that's what it's there for. Um, okay, so Mraza, yeah, so you guys have have a little bit of familiarity with it. Do you? Uh, does anyone, I guess, any of you, think that Deep Root is going to show or reveal the name of, even if it's just photos, anything other than Raza? Are they going to do another game? They need to. That's what I was going to say. They need to for sure. Carrie, do they need to? Yes, just because like. Didn't they say, how many years ago was it at TPF they were going to have the five days of Deep Root and have like, all these games? They announced, I believe, that they were going to do the five days in, t- uh, the announcement of the five days, I believe, happened in 2018, and it was supposed to be the 2019 TPF where those five were shown. Okay. And they were going to have five games, and now, like, they're still not even really done with the first one, so it's like... They gotta have something else in the pipeline. I hope. Yeah, I mean, my my take on this is if they if they do not, if it's only Raza, the reaction to the reveal will be lackluster. Now, I'm I'm he- I'd hedge a little bit because supposedly they're they've been working on all this innovate. Like the thing with the Raza prototype, they gave a lot of people hope. Um, you know, geometric reforms aside, was everything about it from the display to the cabinet was all still prototype. And it didn't showcase any of the innovations that the company is planning for all of their games. So the big question is, okay, well, what are those innovations? I'm assuming we will see at least some of the innovations at the reveal. I suppose if the innovations are mind-blowing enough, and it can't just be smacking the playfield and not dimpling it with a hammer, because they've already been talking about that. So if there's some other innovative thing that's going on with this, that might overwhelm people in a way that they could forgive there only being one game, but I don't think it's going to be that shocking. So I, I agree that I think the only way to be seen as successful is they have to have at least two games, but I don't know if there's any innovations they could have that could make up for only having one game after all this time and all the talk that they've had initially. And, and and remember when, they started, they were doing everything, and they, they were doing the whole pinball is easy and all that stuff, and yet somehow we still don't have anything. But there's been a pandemic. That doesn't explain why they canceled the original release of, you know, 19. <sighs> That's true, Tony. There yeah. wasn't a pandemic like, in 19. I, there's preemptive pandemic. I understand that it takes a long time to develop a pinball machine, and if they hadn't overpromised, and they were just coming out with this game, it would be fine. But they way overpromised early on, <laughs> so it makes them look bad. Yeah, I I think it's a it's a struggle, and I don't think it it helps things that unfortunately, and a lot of this probably cannot be helped. But obviously, they've already flown people down to do the coverage, so they're not going to delay again. Uh, though that being said, I don't know that games will be ready to ship tomorrow. I don't know if they're going to actually be ready to sell. It, it might just be this is what it is. But I don't think it helps things that Jersey Jack, which there are a lot of people that just love Jersey Jack games, uh, even setting aside the themes, getting ready to reveal. And Avengers just came out, and it's going to be game of the year in the Twippies, just like all of Elwin's games are, because Elwin owns that award. So it's just not a great time. It's like you're kind of wedged between the two behemoths. I mean, Stern's the one real behemoth, but... JJP is arguably the second largest manufacturer in pinball at this time. I, I hedge a little bit because I don't know. They might be, they might be third to Chicago gaming. I'm not sure, but they're, I think broadly, most people assume they're second. They think they're second. They've named them as second. 
And Deep Root's coming in and they talked a really big game about being disruptive, about producing more games than anyone else in pinball. That was part of the initial discussion. So if they think they're going to be a volume player, JJP and Stern are the ones that they would be compared to. And you think about other than Stern and Turtles going on, you know, there is a window there earlier this year where no one else was announcing anything. I mean, you had Hot Wheels come out of American Pinball. Came at a terrible time, unfortunately. It was at one really small show, and then they missed the entire show circuit. Same thing happened with Multimorphic and their heist module. It missed the show circuit. So while it's been very broadly received by people who own P3s, I don't think it's selling. I don't think it's moving a lot of units. I, I think it's moving a lot of heist modules to people who already own the, the platform, but I don't think it's selling a lot of platforms. I don't know that for sure, though. But I'm sure it hurt them to not be at the show to showcase it. So I just think that Deep Root had a, had an opportunity. They were because remember they were going to be at TPF this year and reveal Raza there, just Raza. It was my understanding, but the final Raza with the innovations. And I don't know why it took till September to do the reveal when, in theory, they needed to be ready for the reveal in March. But it feels like they missed an opportunity. Is my really long winded way of saying that? Have they hinted to what these innovations are? Some people have found some patents on things that they were considering. So one thing I saw was that a, a new, easier method to uh, lift and work on the play field was an innovation that was suggested in the patents. Yeah, and it's like the whole machine would tip over if they build it like they did in the patent. Because <laughs> the play field's like sticking out completely beyond the front of the game. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I... I and I believe the owner Robert or the principal behind Deep Root Robert Mueller indicated that 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 design of that patent wasn't what they ultimately were doing. But yeah, that was I, I just made me think of a claw game like the claw was had this extended. Yeah, they're gonna have to add some bricks for counterbalance. It's gonna be really heavy to ship. Yeah, no. I, I and other than that, the only thing I know is hammer test, hammer test, hammer test. That they're doing real wood playfield, but. That you're going to be able to smack it with a hammer and not dimple it. So they're going for the home market. Yeah. In fact, their motto, uh, it was, and probably still is, I think, was something, and I might botch it a little bit, was uh, every every home for a pinball, every pinball for a home, or something like uh, that. Yeah, I do remember that now. I, they just kind of faded out of my memory because I got to see stuff. I got to, I mean, I want to play the game. If you just talk, that's not enough. Well, I, pricing is what, when you say, when you have a statement like that about every home and pinball and stuff, I immediately think, okay, so you're going to be pricing under a Stern Pro, right? Cause, you yeah. need to be. Cause, uh, games are now like almost $6,000 for Stern Pros. And I'm, right. I'm telling you, every home can't have a pinball at $6,000. That is, that is crazy money. So, and everyone knows that one is not enough. So yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, you can't. I mean, it's like it's like eating starbursts or whatever. You can't, you can't just have one. It's not how this nope. works. It's not how pinball works. And so, and early on, again, that was one of the other statements was uh, uh, Ferrari pinball with Ferrari quality with Kia pricing was another statement. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. But now, I uh, yeah, I well, don't. Well, maybe they're taking that literally because you can get a Kia for like seventeen thousand yeah, dollars. Well, uh, that statement I believe has been walked back some. So, <laughs> so now it's more like uh, maybe it's more like Ferrari quality with Lexus pricing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I don't. I don't know. Uh, my my, I'm assuming 
that they're going to, uh, and I, I think this is unfortunate, and it is just an assumption, but I'm assuming that they're going to drop in where everyone else has dropped in at that premium price point area. They're going to be flirting around in that seven to $9,000 zone for their starter package. And, you know, that's just like, that's the space American Pinball is in. That's the space that Spooky is in. That's the space that Jersey Jack is in. I mean, no one competes with the Stern Pro. Well, with the one exception of uh, Home Pin, which no one likes their games. <laughs> or game. I don't know. I haven't tried China Zombie. I was going to say games. <laughs> well, you know, China Zombie's supposed to come out. Oh, okay. But that Home Pin's got its own thing going on because they moved their factory from mainland China to Taiwan. I don't even know if they're producing again yet. Hmm. I don't have good sourcing with Home Pin, so I don't get a lot of information out of them. In part because I never ask. That's on me. But what's not on me is our next pinball topic. And that's going to be all about you, Nick, and you, Carrie. I want to understand more about the business of operating pinball. And I, operating as in actually operating route games, especially like the steps that you all have had to take in terms of the pandemic. And then, and maybe we start with this, Nick. You mentioned at the start of the episode that you guys have, uh, you went and you bought a new shop. You moved into a much bigger space. Most of the pinball entities I know of have, if anything, been hunkering down and shrinking up, not expanding into new, vast locations with tons of square footage. So are you insane or what's the strategy here? Uh, yes, that I think about that every day. Um, so just so we're clear, I started this expansion like, well, a month before everything was shut down and I signed the leases and everything days before everything was shut down uh so it's been quite scary it wasn't a conscious decision to expand during a pandemic definitely not but we've been rolling with it and we were originally hoping get it set up and get open within a month which i see how naive that was now so at first it was kind of like oh great we have we can take a little more time to get this set up because hey nobody's going to be coming out anyways and everything's shut down we were able to get a little work out a deal to get a little bit of a reduction in the rent costs. So everything seemed great. But now that we're this deep in to the pandemic and there's still no, no site or no end in sight, rather, it's quite scary. But we're getting close to opening. The licensing has been, like I mentioned, a nightmare. Um, I knew it was going to be tough, but it is way more than I ever expected. Now, by by licensing, is that to be able to operate CoinOp? Is that what you mean? Yes, um, and not only just operate games, but have a place that's main purpose is operating games. It's two different licenses. Um, there's a lot of antiquated laws in Kansas City and Missouri in general, and I found out through this process that nobody does it. I probably would have been better off not going through all the legal channels and trying to do it right. But basically, they consider it a nuisance business. Any sort of arcade, if you will, we'll just we'll blanket it as arcade, is a nuisance business and has a very lengthy background check and paperwork process. Well, and I and you know, to I while the laws are older, let me you know, kind of devil's advocate. When I lose and have to leave the tournament early, it is a bit of a nuisance to me. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's very inconvenient, especially if I've carpooled with Tony and he's still playing and I want to eat tacos and I can't go get them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. F- you. I mean, normally That's sort of what I'm saying. Way around, but, but sometimes, sometimes it happens that way. Okay. So you're, so you're working through, working through all of that. Any other challenges that have come up recently, I guess, in the process of all that? I mean, I'm sure it's all a learning experience, even though you obviously had launched the shop before. 
Uh, and I'd been to that space. It, it was it was very modestly sized. So yes, very very much so. It was sort of a hey, if this doesn't work, everything's going to be okay no matter what. And I was routing games that was bringing in good money at the time. But now it's like oh, this is the cost is five times my mortgage. What do I do? But I think the fact that we have probably I mean right now we probably have close to forty games ready to play across the two arcade spaces. We have had people come in and preview and play test and check things out. And it's been really great to see how excited and happy people are for what's going on. And, you know, we have an upstairs and a downstairs. And the upstairs is basically a long room with pins all along one wall. So, yeah, it's great. It's it's I'm, I'm not going to say it's impressive. It's, it's very clean and nice. But then they walk into... We'll call them the hidden pinball bunker where most of the space is and it's just row after row after row of games in a really cool, almost feels private space. It's been great to work so hard and Terry's been basically going through a 40 point checklist on every single one of the games that we bring in. I just keep bringing them in and she just keeps on checking them off. Um, probably on the games that haven't been routed before, we're talking 20 to 60 hours worth of work on each game. Um, so months of that, and now finally seeing some people get to check it out. It's uh, giving me a little hope that this idea is not as crazy as I thought it was. But with the customer repairs have been piling up, too. So people are kind of getting in line to bring us games to work on. So that helps. So 40, 40 games all uh, all basically on route at once? Yeah. I'd say a little bit more if you include the Pizza West and Nubs Pub locations. Those are technically segregated from Solid State itself. Right, right. Those are in Kansas, and Solid State is now in Missouri. And in one building, we have about 40 ready to play. And there's another 10-plus waiting to be fixed and put on the floor. And another handful still that haven't even entered the building. So, Well, I mean, it's I know we're, we're Kansas City, but by, by Kansas City standards, 40 pinball machines, that's not, that's not an arcade, that's a space station. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, that just, that is a lot, because up until this point, I mean, at least from the competitive player's perspective, the largest location has been 403 Club, which, what, topped out at one stage with 13 or 12? Yep, that's right. We did have 13 at one point for a little bit. Um, but always, almost always more than nine for, you know, the last few years for sure. Mm-hmm. So, Carrie, you've been working part time about 25 hours a week for Solid State. How were you lured into this? <laughs> uh, well, it all started with a pin box over a year ago. Uh, well, yeah, that's the first game I worked on. And Nick basically at the old shop, which was much smaller asked me a couple different times, like, hey, would you ever be interested in just coming in and working on games for a little bit? And one weekend, I was like, all right, let's try it. This weekend, I'll come in, you tell me what you want me to look at, and we'll see how it goes. And uh, I believe the first game was Pinbot. It had a sling that wouldn't work, and it was really bizarre. You'd think it would be very easy. But after a few hours of troubleshooting, it ended up that the wire was pinched under a bracket for the slam tilt, but it was hidden in the wiring harness, and I had to pull back some stuff to see that. Yeah, I, I actually remember Nick sharing the, the struggles. I think it was on our Kansas City uh, pinball Discord about what he was trying to figure out with this with this pinball uh, 
because uh, it was like a that was a really long one to get trouble until you you came in and and solved it. I just remember seeing it. I I shared some stuff. I think as my my dad, who's an electrical engineer, emailed me. He's like, I think it's this, Dennis. I'm like, No, Nick, check that. It's not that. Yeah, it just kept roasting transistors. We're like, what is going on? And I finally found in the by using my meter that there was a short somewhere in the blue wire. So I just followed it all the way through the game and found a pinched wire. And uh, from there, I was like, oh, what do you want to work on next? And that has been happening for the last uh, like year and a half or so. <laughs> it just had. <laughs> and you've also been repairing, so like I'm, and maybe one of you or both of you can explain. Like 403 Club, it's always been a little interesting in that there's been more than one operator that has worked through that location. So Carrie, you're you're doing repairs not just for Nick's games, correct? Um, yeah, I I always kind of wanted to be an operator, and but Nick and David. We're doing such a good job at 403, and Eric was doing such a wonderful job at Pizza West that I didn't want to step on any toes. I just figured I'd just kind of wait for my chance if it ever comes along. And somehow, within very quick succession, uh, I am now working on games at all three places. <laughs> and the way that happened, first of all, David Luttrell moved to North Carolina, so he had a majority of the games at 403. Nick had several games as well. And so there was going to be kind of a void that needed to be filled. And at first it looked like Nick was going to fill that void. And then through a convoluted set of circumstances that I won't go into, it ended up that uh, someone from Omaha, um, his name is Jojo Styles. He is the founder of Anti-Drain Pinball, ended up buying the games for 403 Club. And uh, he needed somebody to service them because he's in Omaha. And he knew me through through Auntie Drain and through going to tournaments. And he asked me to do it. And we came to an agreement. And so, yeah, now the games at 403 are owned by him and serviced by me. We decided to cut down on the amount of games due to the pandemic. So there are currently six, but... As soon as we feel like it's safe, we're going to expand probably to 10 or 11. We're not sure yet. So, yeah, so that's 403. And then um, shortly after that all kind of settled, I was asked out of the blue by Eric Anderson if I would be interested, along with Nick, in taking over Pizza West and Dubs. Um, and I was like, oh, um, let me talk to Nick and we'll see what we can work out. And that ended up working pretty seamlessly. Eric made it really easy for us. He sold us some games. He helped us move the games in. And, yeah, um, almost overnight, Nick and I became responsible for the games at Pizza West and Nubs Pub. Now, I wanted to, I wanted to ask about that because I, I remember when that was announced. And now, Nick, you noted earlier with Solid State that it was all pre, just barely, but all pre-pandemic when you signed the new lease for the new space and you'd already made all these plans before the pandemic. My impression, uh, which seems to be confirmed from what Carrie was explaining, is Eric's decision to get out of operating in Nubs and Pizza West happened during the pandemic. So what made you guys decide to get routes picked up during the pandemic? Well, it seemed like it's too good of an opportunity to turn down. If there was a I mean, I don't know if Eric was going to quit, whether he found someone or not, but seeing as that could have been a possibility, 
I mean, for the past 11 years, I've been all about Kansas City pinball. So seeing a good location like those two die, I couldn't let that happen. So, and I, you know, obviously monetary-wise, I thought it's not going to be a moneymaker right now, but I'm thinking long-term, we keep it going, we get back up to the full number of games, and it'll all be worth it, and we still have more places to play. I, I don't think it benefits anyone in the Kansas City pinball community to have just one good location. I think the more we have, the better. Well, I, I mean, just from, for my part, and, and Tony can speak for himself, but I really appreciate that they were picked up because Nubs and Pizza West, they're only 15 minutes away, whereas it takes me over 30 minutes to get all the way up to KCK, so. Right. For me, they're much farther away, but they're still the ones that I tend to hit the most often. Like, if it's just, if I have one of those free days that don't really exist anymore, but I used to have where it'd be just me at home during the week. I'd, a lot of times I'd go up to one or the other for lunch and right. to play some pinball before coming back to pick the girls up from school and all that. All right. And, and pre-pandemic, I could justify going there uh, if I worked from home for a lunch break and say, okay, well, I'm going to take, I'm going to take a 90 minutes, uh, you know, and, and spend an hour actually at the facility uh, and be able to do that. Whereas I wouldn't, I would just be like, I'm going to, I'm going to lose at least two hours if I go up to KCK. Um, right. And spend any decent amount, not to mention that I'd have to order food in for 403. So, uh, now Nick, do you still have, do you still have games at 403 or are those all JoJo's now? Those are all JoJo's now. I've got a lot, uh, to focus on with, as we saw, talked about all the games at the shop and now Pizza West and Nubs Pub. So I've, I've stepped away. Um, I still can't wait to go back and play tournaments when those start back up and all that. And it's kind of nice to be able to, just go into 403 Club and not have to worry oh, yeah. about anything. And people don't tell me everything that might be wrong, which is rare since Gary does such a good job. But I just, I don't have that pressure and I can enjoy myself there. So it's working out. Good, good. And yeah, so uh, obviously you mentioned that with the new facility for Solid State, that the shop, which uh, we're going to be referring to as the space station from now on, um, oh, the, that the space station has enough space that you will be able to actually host tournaments. I'm assuming that once things settle and the IFPA is back to sanctioning, that you're planning to schedule recurring tournaments there? Absolutely. We're going to be doing a monthly, just like we're going to continue doing the monthly at Pizza West. We'll have a different day. So that may be too many tournaments, but what we're hoping is to get a lot more people involved in tournaments. So um, we'll see how that goes. We are also going to do yearlies, and we have a very cool rooftop uh, deck on the building. Gives me ideas for some pinball on the roof. Oh, throwing pins off the roof. You know, uh, Todd Tucky did that. (laughs) Um, And I I think he did a Street Fighter 2. You could possibly do a Shack Attack. Oh, no, I couldn't do that to a Shack Attack. I'm just saying most people won't object. Now, that's probably another permit. That you would need. So, <laughs> right. uh, I mean, bear in mind that there there are likely restrictions. And we'd want to light it on fire to want to have Tataki. Yeah, so. and so you'll definitely have to have the fire department deployed because they want to oversee any controlled burn that happens in city limits. So. For sure. And there's probably the, a fee with that. The uh, the tournaments, though, um, to bring that back, is uh, we want to do a lot of pinball events. Um, not everybody's into pinball tournaments, but they're still into pinball. So we're hoping to, like, for example, we're about to start at the beginning of next month um, a, a pinball enthusiast meetup on Sunday mornings where hopefully we can pull out some of the collectors, some of the just the pinball fans that it's not their life. They're not competitive per se. 
but let's get him in the shop around all these games. Let's talk. If people can maybe work out some some trade deals, some buy deals. They can ask questions about working on their games. Uh, just kind of everything and bring out some of the people that we know are out there and only come to maybe the one giant events a year, um, but would love to come talk pinball. So, and we're pair classes. We've got some, some popular names like Eugene coming mm. out to do some classes. He's, he wants to really bad, but obviously with the pandemic, we're, we've got that on hold, but we have enough space now to do all, any of that. And I'd like to see a 50 or so person tournament happen eventually. And, actually kind of be in the running for the Missouri points. Oh yeah, you're on the Missouri side. Exactly. So I don't think we're going to have that much of a conflict with the other locations. No, uh, because I normally don't play for fake points. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Oh, excuse me, Missouri, Missouri points. Now, the the Sunday meetup, you are going to call that Donuts and Drains, right? (laughs) I guess we are now. (laughs) You put it out there, we have to. Well, no, it's, uh, it it's, it's your anything. idea. I'm just, I'm just saying that you know, like eggs and issues is a, it's a <laughs> common thing to call uh, po- political meetups that uh, legislators do. So I was thinking, you know, dr- donuts and drains, kind of. What, what do I have to pay you for that? That's free. Ideas are nothing. Ideas. As I, if I had to lecture people in pinball over and over, you can't. Your idea isn't special. You have to do it. So if you're a doer, you you win. If you just are an idea person, no one, no one cares. Well, I'm sitting here next to a box of donuts in the shop with Carrie talking to you two. So mm-hmm. I guess this is technically the first donuts and drains. Oh, well, <laughs> what have I never drained? Anti-drain. Donuts and anti. <laughs> no, that doesn't work. Never mind. I mean, you might be able to get some sponsorship dollars. Um, see if the donut company will sponsor it. That's an idea. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. Maybe they can uh, provide coupons for people and they help drive. You know, a little quid pro quo there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I have all sorts of ideas I never execute on because I'm not an entrepreneur and I have no entrepreneurial spirit in me. So Along that train of thought, we do have a coffee and tea shop that just opened upstairs and they have, I don't know that they have donuts, they have danishes and Ooh. things of that like. So we could direct people through the coffee shop on the way. Coffee and tea. Wow. Talk about not picking a lane. Jeez. <laughs> right. Well, and there's also a, well, we originally wanted to do a coffee and pinball shop, but there was a coffee shop in the building already, and so we were like, great. But they closed during the pandemic. But are they reopening? A, a, a different one came in, and they are already open, so I'm very happy about that. And there is a 5,000-square-foot bar and restaurant opening up in the same building five feet from our upstairs arcade. Hopefully this month, they're saying this month, but you're going to be able to get pizza sandwiches in the full bar and Likely, we'll have a couple games in there as well. So people cool. that just have, have to have a beer while they play, that's for you. There are some that they do. You know, it's the only it's the only way they can make their shots. That was a bit of a pun. Shots. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I, it's, I mean, it's Sunday. What can I say? Um, <laughs> not me. Uh, if I drink and play, then all of a sudden the ball gets faster. And I'm like, what is, how did this happen? It's crazy. It's crazy. I don't know. I think most people are worse. They just think they're Yes, I agree nature. with you, actually. I just like, there's nothing scientifically that makes no sense. I mean, I guess maybe if you, some people say it calms their nerves. I'm like, you've been playing pinball like for four years. How are you still nervous when you're at a local tournament? Right. I'm only nervous at a local tournament when I'm still in the top four and I'm like, I can't, I'm going to choke. I'm going to choke. I guess there's a few players that might make me a little nervous. No, but yeah, I'm pretty. Be, well, over you've beat you, but you've beat all of them before. I have, but man, 
I'm going, I'm going way downhill. I think I spent too much time moving these things around town and fixing them. I need to be doing some more playing. Yeah, that's, that's true. You could, the rust could be accumulating, but it is. Oh, I can't Although, even imagine how bad my play, cause the only game I play anymore is my campus queen. Well, so. that game's brutal though. That you're probably all like, yeah, I can now drop catch on a two inch flipper all day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that t- Ted Zale stuff. Yeah. There's something to be said for that because I spent a lot of my childhood on two inch flipper games, and then when I go to three inch, I'm like, this is easy. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, and that's why I mean, Carrie, that's one of the things that you you're fairly well known for is how you perform in tournaments on the EMs, and a number of them are are uh, two inch flipper. One, of course, you have a lot of EM experience, two inch and three inch flipper sized. So we just got a bonanza in at the shop, and you know, of course, our first game, I. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was your first game here. It was like over a thousand or over fifteen hundred points. I got like four hundred. It's definitely acquired skill. Yes, yes. To be I, fair, we just realized that it's if you do multiplayer, sometimes it'll score points on both players. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's happened. That happened on those first games. I think you can use that as an excuse. Okay, I like that. I beat her on Space Station, so... Hey, that's like the one of the last non-Italian bottoms I can think of. We yeah. just got one. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I like yeah, Space Station. Yeah, we a super nice one, and it's funny that you call us the Space Station, we just got a Space Station. Well, and uh, part of that, and the listeners don't know this, because why would they? But when we started as well, Nick had a uh, Skype backdrop that was Space Station. Ah, yes. That's right. So, you know, I'm not really creative in coming up with things. This is all things I've stolen from other things I've seen. It's like how half my lines are from movies. I just don't admit that. I steal my own dialogue. It's really quite sad. Uh, but that's, you know, it's been well. What can you do? Oh, well, okay. So is there, Tony, did you have any questions uh, that they didn't cover answers to regarding the pinball business side of things? No, not really. They covered pretty much everything that. I had thought of before we came in here today. Yeah, I mean, we've had a number of people write in either asking about, uh, especially with the pandemic, just how people are doing things, how they're you know planning things, what their longer term goals are, or uh, others that have actually asked. They like you guys talked about this, and you don't know what you're talking about. We want we want to come on and explain what like what we're really doing. Like okay, and then they fall through, so it happens. But. Yeah, I. I have a couple of things I could expand on a little bit, just because um, I know not everyone is getting out yet, and I totally understand it. Because of the position I'm in, I am getting out just to check on the games and stuff. And so I kind of get to see, you know, how things are going at 403 Pizza West and Nubs, and I'm sure some of you are probably wondering. So each place obviously requires masks. They are social distancing. The um, the occupancy limits are no longer in place, but um, it hasn't really been a problem because it's not like it's packed. Uh, so there's hand sanitizer, wipes everywhere. And yeah, I was really hesitant at first getting out during the pandemic, um, but now I've kind of gotten used to my routine, which is to wear a mask everywhere, wash my hands obsessively. I have hand sanitizer in my car. I always sanitize when I'm done working on stuff. And uh, I find that, for me at least, I, I feel kind of okay um, because things are spread out enough, like at 403, where, you know, people got masks, they're spread out, the games are spread out, 
it's not too much of an issue. The games are spread out at PPLS events right now as well. I will note that at places that serve food, it's a little more difficult because once people are at their tables, they can remove their masks to eat. Um, and there are a couple, you know, tall tables kind of close to the games. So, uh, you know, I'm just being honest. So if you're worried about it, yeah, you know, maybe take that into account. Don't I will say though, at least, yeah, yeah, exactly. Go, if you just want to come in and play games, there's plenty of off times, like don't go during meal times that you can come in and feel like you've got enough space. And especially at Pizza West, um, the way things are going, people don't tend to eat in the pinball room. Um, so when I go there and clean games, I'm often the only one in the room. So I do feel pretty safe there. They're doing a lot of carryout business. Um, so I think they're kind of hanging on. They're doing okay. But there's not a lot of people like packed in there. So, you know, if you do feel like coming out and playing games, you can wear your mask, you can come to Pizza West at an off time, um, say in the afternoon or something, and kind of feel like you have your own space to play. Well, we can move to our final pinball topic, and that's uh, pinball repair. And Carrie, you brought this up, so I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, yeah, so as you heard me say, we've been doing a lot of pinball repair lately. Um We've been in the shop, we've got people bringing us games, we've got our 40 games to maintain, plus all the location games. So sometimes we come across unusual issues, and it takes us a bit to like troubleshoot, and then once we do find the thing that caused the problem, it's like, wow, Like I wonder how many people would have guessed <laughs> what the problem is. So we kind of wrote out two or three questions based on issues we've had and I figured Nick and I kind of we can ask each other the questions oh you don't you guys don't know each other's answers then um well we both were around when this happened so I haven't read that yet oh, okay <laughs> now your your other option would be to try and have Tony and I guess what's wrong <laughs> but I, I don't think that's going that. to go well I mean no young priest uh so I'll ask my first question, and you guys weigh in and, and guess what you think it is, okay. and then I'll have okay. Nick answer it. So the first question, now, uh, I worded this as a hypothetical, but uh, I can probably tell this happened to us. Let's say you have a Doctor Who at a pub. Hmm, a pub, okay, go on. Yeah, it could be any pub. It could be it could be anywhere. You turn it on, and it says, check views 114. Check fuse 115. All flipper and stroke switches are stuck closed. After a few seconds, all three flippers start flipping on their own constantly until you turn the game off. What is wrong? Hmm. Something turned on automatic play mode. <laughs> what would be wrong? Uh. So it's telling you to check two different fl- fuses. It also thinks that all the s- all the switches for the flippers are closed. Right. Yes, and uh, I will tell you that I checked the Indestroke switches; they were not stuck closed, and I checked the fuses, and they were not closed. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I I'm not surprised. Like a short. Yeah, I'm not surprised the fuses aren't blown if they ended up flipping after a few seconds. So that that makes sense. I would almost wonder. If, okay, my guess will be that there's some transistor that's leaking. Transistor that's leaking. Okay, yeah, I had this. I had this happen once. So, 
but not with flippers. <laughs> I had a transistor leaking on a pop bumper, and it would. But in that case, it, it was. Um, I guess I'll just describe it real quick so you, you have a, a sense of what I'm talking about. This was on a Gottlieb, and so one of the transistors in the back box. Apparently, even though it was not supposed to have activated the device, it was actually allowing power through it, but not full power. The fuse was getting hot, but not hot enough to blow because it was a slow blow fuse. And it actually, though, was engaging the coil enough on a pop bumper that it was holding down and it would melt the coil sleeve if you left it on for a significant period of time. And the transistor was bad. It was actually allowing a little bit of power to leak through it and go to that. Go to that pop bumper. Wow, that's new to me. Okay, well, apparently, if it's new to you, that means this is not the right answer, and I'm wrong. Oh no! <laughs> uh, so, did you have a guess? No, my my guess would be there's a short somewhere that's punching power down, uh, so it's not making it. It's so it's thinking the the fuses are blown, but it's getting power to actually flip things. So there's got to be a short where power's going across somewhere. Yep. I, well, you're along the right lines, uh, Nick. What was the uh, solution? Uh, we had a bridge rectifier going bad. Mm, um, okay. So, yes, it was allowing power through. Yeah, we ended up having to take the driver board back with us to the shop, and Nick was able to figure out that bridge rectifier 1 was shorted, and uh, we fixed it, tested it in one of our games at the shop, and it was all good to go. <laughs> so. I don't think I've ever on any of the games I've worked on had a bad bridge rectifier. I, I remember when I bought Sharky's Shootout, the operator who was selling it told me he thought it was a bad bridge rectifier in terms of why the slings weren't working. And no, it was because he had cut the wire that fed the slings. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. it. Yeah, bridges do fail from time to time. Um, it, on certain games, it's actually a good idea to fuse bridge rectifiers for the solenoids and the lamps, such as 1980 Black Knight. We had a situation where I shopped one out, sent it to a customer. Six months later, it wouldn't start and turned out to be a bridge rectifier. And, uh, yeah, thankfully um, it just popped the fuse that I had installed because when those go bad, they can go really bad. Uh, so it's an important thing to do and that's why we do a lot of bulletproofing at the shop so our customers' houses don't burn down or anything. Well, I'm I'm glad you're anti-drain and anti-fire. Yes. Yeah, we actually had a, a bridge rectifier problem on X Files as well, where it would the bridge rectifier had went out and it killed the voltage regulator for the five volts for the MPU. But I changed the voltage rec- or the voltage regulator. It worked for about five minutes, and then it all broke free again, and nothing will boot. And um, Still waiting on some more voltage regulators to see if I'm correct. But I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, that putting in the new bridge rectifier, or putting in a new voltage regulator without a new bridge rectifier popped it, and then I put in a new bridge rectifier and still didn't work. So, uh. It's because the other one's toasted. Right. Hmm, interesting. I think Nick might have another question. Okay. You want me to do one here? Alright. Okay, so, here's the scenario. It's a little long. Bear with me. You spent 25 hours getting your Gottlieb spring break ready for a pinball campout. You've traveled nine hours with it in a U-Haul. Gets played all weekend with minimal issues. You haul it back home, leave it, hold it up for a few months, move it again, set it up in your new shop, and it kills all the power. Not just at your breaker box, but in a breaker box outside of the space upstairs in a locked closet. What's the problem? (laughs) 
Uh, okay. My, my guess is while it was folded up, uh, a small, probably mammalian creature has crawled inside of it. <laughs> that is a good guess, Tony. <laughs> um, I, very similar to Dennis's, I was thinking possession. You may, maybe you brought back one of the dark ones with you from your trip. <laughs> I definitely had that cross my mind. Um, I was absolutely floored by it. Um, I haven't ever had a machine even knock out a, a breaker locally, but in elsewhere in the building was shocking to me. Carrie, you want to tell them what happened? Well, uh, yeah. So someone who I won't name uh, accidentally pinched a wire under the edge of the transformer bracket. And uh, they that said person drove the game to Colorado and back. <laughs> And somewhere along the bumpy road, the insulation uh, on that wire got punctured. Uh, yet, somehow the game miraculously still worked for a little bit until one day I came in and flipped it on and the lights knocked out. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> uh, how, how did the wire get pinched at the Transformer? Uh, well, I don't know. Was, somebody did 25 hours of work on it. Probably tired. He didn't see it. I pinched it. Mm. Uh, <laughs> oh, and doing the ground mod. Yeah. So what happened was obviously it was me. Um, <laughs> I when I was doing the ground mod in the cabinet, it's if anyone's done it before, you have to really hang inside the cabinet. So I removed the whole transformer plate to get it up in the air a little bit more, and just managed to pinch one little wire underneath the corner of it. And of course, everything works so well for so long. You know, I, I had no reason to to check for something like that, but it just wore its way through, I guess, after all that traveling. Hmm. Yeah, the uh, wire turned out to be the 110 volt line, and it shorted to the bracket, which was grounded. Uh, so. Okay, so I took out all the breakers. Well, yeah, that's a lot more intricate than just a mouse getting in there and you know <laughs> grounding itself against the wire or something. I'm interested in the wiring layout of the building that it took out some uh, breaker box so far away. Well, I think it had to do with, and, and this has all been changed since then, but the emergency lighting system, um, the lights themselves, the fluorescent lights in the shop were tied to the emergency lighting as well, so that if the power was out, they'd still be on. And that wall that game is plugged into happened to be wired to those lights as well. The same circuit. Ah, interesting. Uh, so, wow, that in itself is its own little story. It really <laughs> is. Wow. So most of these things, like, uh, in theory, post fire risks. That's very interesting. <laughs> Are there any other repair uh, tales of woe? I think Nick has one more. I guess maybe this would be better just as a little story, but we got a Black Knight 2000 in, and it was based... I accepted it in thinking it was uh, a game that had been in a customer's home working fine for years, maybe, and this needed some work. When I got it, I found out that it was purchased on Craigslist and brought directly to me. Um, <laughs> oh, probably, a bar, a barn find? Pretty much, yeah. Um, it needed a lot of things. Um, it ended up uh, being way more than I expected, but. The upper playfield had some real mysteries. Uh, most of the inserts were either not working or constantly on. Most of the switches were either not working or 
triggering other switches. Uh, there was a solenoid that wouldn't fire and had absolutely appeared to have absolutely nothing wrong with it. Even tried a, a different coil. Um, in the end, what it ended up being was probably about 12 hours of tracing every single wire that was in the upper play field and finding out that somebody had, I took out X wire because somebody had put so much extra wire up there that I measured 35 feet of extra wire <laughs> uh, when I was done. So I think people were just trying to bypass stuff and, and they didn't really have the knowledge of what they were doing. Um, it would be like cut a wire here and then immediately splice a new wire between those existing, that existing cut. Like it did nothing except for add some more wire. <laughs> Meanwhile, another one maybe went to, Oh, we're going to pull the ground off of the lights for, you know, this other thing. It was, it was very bizarre. Um, ended up a bunch of diodes had gone bad as well with all that. So I'm thinking maybe there was some, diode issues for the on the switch matrix and they were trying to get around those by jumping wires rather than replacing the diodes so it was a fun one hmm yeah well that yeah i think that one probably does qualify as a hack job it was the most hacked i think i've almost ever seen other than we, we bought three games from a local old time operator long time ago operator and all three of them had the arcade power supplies wired inside to uh run the various voltages mm. rather than go through the power supply board. So that was a fun one. Did you submit photos of this, uh, this 35 feet of wire to that pinball hacks uh, Facebook group? No, but I still have photos of it in place and in piles. I should. I'll <laughs> get on that. <laughs> but look at it. Look, you can look at it as a nice tip. You know, recycle that wire Make a little extra cash on the side, you oh, know? Okay. Yeah, it's, he might have, <laughs> he might have harness patch wire for days now. Right. Did they use the, did they use proper harness wire? Um, I mean, I've seen worse. It wasn't that cord. <laughs> okay. Um, wasn't speaker cord, but it was, was not the right gauge and it was obviously okay. pulled out of something else. Mm. <laughs> Was it one of those where they just like cut apart and strip the insulation off of uh, an extension cord to get some wire? Thankfully, no. But it wasn't quite that bad. But we have come across that pretty often. I, I, I've seen some not pinball, but I've seen some other stuff where it's where it's like this is an extension cord. Yeah, it works. Right. So all that reminds me of the game that I'm currently working on. Uh, which is kind of an unusual story because normally uh, if you want us to work on your game, you would call us in advance and schedule a time and tell us about your game and what it might, what, what it might need. But in this case, a customer left me a voicemail, which really they should be calling Nick, and just said, We're, we live 100 miles away. We rarely we come to town, but we've got a pinball machine in the back of our truck, and we're on our way. And uh, <laughs> so I was like, oh, it was raining. And uh, I was like, this, uh, Nick. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it happened to be at the same time that we were getting two other, three other games delivered, all in the rain. So we needed to coordinate getting everybody in the parking garage so they could unload and uh, we didn't even know what game it was. We didn't know what they wanted done to it. 
And uh, this game pulls up to the parking lot, and it's standing on its legs in the back of a pickup truck with the head up, and uh, it was a Gottlieb Genesis. Oh, Genesis. Uh, I love Genesis. Yes. Fun game. Uh, <laughs> they had owned it for 30 years, um, and it had been sitting in a barn for I don't know how long, but a significant number of years, as it looked. And Nick basically was like, look, um, if you want us to fix this the way we think it needs to be fixed, it's going to be very expensive. And they said, okay. <laughs> so we unloaded it from the truck. We, we asked them, we're like, how did you get it on the truck like that? And they were like, we used our tractor. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, we don't have a tractor for unloading in this manner, but <laughs> we'll make it work. Um, we ended up folding the game up in the back of the truck and getting it off the truck, putting it on a dolly. Anyway, I have somehow got it working. Uh, I got all the mud dauber nests out of it, um, got a whole family of spiders out of it, and uh, just found a giant wasp in the trough uh, yesterday, but I got that taken care of. And yeah, it's, uh, I put a new MPU in it, um, and it's mostly working now. I just need to fix the robot, which is being stubborn. But, uh, yeah, it still smells like a barn, and for whatever reason, Genesis has a fan in the back, and somebody had just cut the cord to it, so I rewired it, and now the fan blows barn mm. smell out into our shop. And so Nick came up with the genius idea of taping a dryer sheet over the fan <laughs> drill. So now we have a giant air freshener, and it's awesome. It smells like fresh laundry. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. You know, that's how I moved my first uh, pinball machine, was that same way. I remember that story. I'm not proud of that story. Yeah, in my case, it was, uh, that was, they, I picked it up from the old, uh, Great Mall of the Great Plains, and they had a loading dock, so it was level with the truck bed. See, in that case, it makes sense for the loading, now the unloading. Oh, yeah, no, that was two people and me tilting it at a really extreme angle, and, uh, yeah. Well, it worked out. Skylab somewhere lives on to this day. <laughs> and if it if it didn't if it didn't no one would care because it's Skylab. It just amazes me the thought of driving a hundred miles with that upright oh, back of a truck. Yeah, in the no, rain. I mean because I only went like seven miles or so with mine. I was so I had to go so slow because I was you know terrified that if I you know you couldn't take any turns fast. So because <laughs> it'll tip, well, they're heavy. And I always wondered about that when we were in whenever we went to the shows in Texas and you'd see people loading games up in the back of their pickup truck with like, you know, Kansas or Nebraska tags on it. And you're sitting here going, you know, it rains every year when we're on our way home from mm -hmm. Texas. Every single year. And they're like, I've got a tarp. It's like, I... They have a tarp, Tony. It's just a tarp. It's a tarp. If, if it's just a tarp, it, it's not... Okay. Yeah. Congratulations uh, on your purchase. These customers had it tarped, and the tarp blew off, and they said they stopped and bought another tarp, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Somehow, this Genesis has come out remarkably well, despite circumstances. Yeah, it's going to be the it best before and after. That's what it amounts now, to. Now, when it's all said and done, though, would it have been cheaper for them just to buy another one? Yes. <laughs> I figured. 
I mean, I'm just being honest. And, <laughs> no, you know, I kind of told good. them that. And yeah, they were they, warned. Yeah, they wanted this one, and they basically got it for nothing. So they didn't care. But I don't know how they're going to get it home. I guess I'm probably going to have to deliver it because I don't know if I can feel comfortable charging it for the repair work and then putting it back in their truck and just waving them off. I kind of want to at least make sure it's set up in their, in their yeah, house. Yeah, you'd, show, you'd show them how, like, okay, well, the legs do come off. and Because, yeah. you know, I mean, they didn't – when I bought mine, they didn't tell me anything. So I didn't know I could take the legs off until I started to research pinball. Right. Because it was a spontaneous well, thing. They saw me break it down outside in the parking lot in the back of their truck because that was the only way we could get it out of the truck safely. Um, I don't know what they were thinking. Mm. I mean, sure, get it in there with the tractor, but how are you going to get it? Back well, they out? probably assumed you had a tractor, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, I I assumed that you did. Us city folk don't have tractors. <laughs> yeah, well, but it's Kansas City. It's a cowpoke town. <laughs> Well, they're going to be really happy with it in the end, and I'm glad they managed to get it here and found us and pers- persisted. But, you know, if anyone else wants repairs, please get on our list, contact us. Don't just show up with the game. It'll work out better. Yeah, don't just show up. But if you do, know that they'll take it. That's the moral. <laughs> <laughs> we'll charge you more. You didn't, you didn't do a sorry, Karen. You got to go. It doesn't matter if you talk to the manager. Right? <laughs> okay, well. We've reached the end of the show. So, Carrie and Nick, thanks so much for taking time out of your Sunday to come on and talk with us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, no, it's fun. I guess uh, in terms of – now, yeah, it's get me the link and I'll get that in the show notes to the website so people can go and check you out. Will and uh, other than that, if people want to check out stuff about our show, we are most active on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Podcast. We also can be reached via email, eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com. We're available on Twitch. Instagram and Twitter as eclectic underscore gamers. And in two weeks, we will be back. Will there be guests? Will there not be guests? Will Tony and I be here? I don't know. I don't have the answers to the questions you seek, but we will do two the best. Two weeks is a long time. Two weeks. But but at that time, we will know the truth. We will know the answers. And maybe we'll know something about Deep Root. We can always wait and see. Uh, until then, goodbye, everybody. See ya. Bye. See you guys. Yeah.